Hi everyone, my name is Rachel Harding and I'm a co-chair for the Communications Committee of Canadian Open Neuroscience Platform. You're going to be hearing a conversation that I had with Jean-Baptiste Pauline. He is an associate professor in neurology and neurosurgery at McGill University. And he's also a member of the governance committee for COMP. He is the chair of the technical steering committee. And so you'll hear in this podcast that we discuss all things open science um, and what he has planned for COMP. So I would say your office has a, a great view of, is this baseball in here? It's, uh, oh. whatever it is. Uh, or American know, football? Well, no, Canadian football. Canadian football. Of course. No, and sometimes they play soccer and sometimes they, uh, but it's very distracting when something happens. I like the, the white and uh, sort of like peaceful sort of like a uh, field. Yeah, it is really peaceful. But still, it is uh, it is nice. Uh, so, what are you working on in your office down here? Do you have a lab space as well? I do. My lab space is for the moment over there, like in the uh, the north wing. Uh, there's a, a few people working on reproducibility and open science and uh, uh, little publishing aspects. Uh, there's also been interacting a lot with the uh, the teams doing neuroinformatics work, so uh, everything that has to do with uh, data handling, data documentation, uh, but also computing processing aspects. So, uh, how do you make those things reproducible, easy to launch, fair, like in the uh, classic oh, okay. role? And so both on the side on the data and on the side of the computation, we want uh, the uh, research objects to be fair. That's one of the causes of the success of FAIR. You know, it was uh, mentioned at the G20, for instance. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know there. that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's basically it's so, it's so easy to promote <laughs> because who doesn't want to be FAIR, right? Yeah, you're not going to promote uh, <laughs> unfair science. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and the, the sort of like the extension of FAIR to me is that you not only you want to have all those things, uh, I mean, reusability is one of the big things. It's also that you want to have those things embedded in the normal uh, research process. And mm. for that to happen, you have to work on the publishing aspect of those things because for good and bad reasons, the, the world of research is actually governed by publishing uh, at the moment. Yeah. So what do you publish? How you publish is the place where, as a scientist, we should be working on a little bit more because that means that a lot on what we are going to do as a research as research project. So let's say you can actually publish non-results, you can publish like computational notebooks, you can publish uh, data sets, uh, code, all those things. Uh, my motivation was like uh, I heard a PI once say, hey, I don't want you to spend time on that Python library because you're not, you're not doing the, like, the next paper. Yeah, and and that's that's a common thing. Right? It's not it's not uncommon. Especially yeah, the like focus a, is more getting the high impact factor papers than actually doing good science. It doesn't have to be a focus only. I mean, you can yeah. do you can do good science and <laughs> have a good, no. but you can also do like very good science and don't uh, not being able to actually do some uh, high impact factor jobs. Mm. Or you could do good science by constructing a tool or or constructing a data set or. Those things and those those will not be published in the high impact fact. Why they could be completely critical for a bunch of things for like uh, for advancing uh, uh, some research fields really uh, tremendously quickly or all those things. So it's to me it's, uh, it is kind of mission to us to say okay now let's uh, let's get the, our hands on the what we publish and how uh, and work on on you know the, 
the, the fair principle have become the forced principle, where right? you mm. have like a, not only fair things, but also uh, open and uh, what was that, uh, citable research objects. Um, so I'm working also on the, on the uh, OHPM uh, publishing platform, which is the, uh, called Aperture. And Aperture will be one of those places, hopefully, that is going to be both highly desirable to publish in. It's, 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 it has to be highly desirable. We've got a bunch of, of you know, plenty of journals or, or platforms that publish things, but they don't, they're not very highly valued by the research community. So it has to be highly valued, whatever the measure you take. Mm. Uh, and it has to be uh, a place where you could push things like libraries, like uh, uh, notebooks, like uh, those, those kind of... Uh, have like all different kinds of research objects that people are generating. Yes, I mean, uh, and if it has high value, it's probably going to be like, okay, you both have the data that have been reviewed, and you've got the code that has been reviewed, and you've got the documentation maybe on how to do things with the notebook that has been reviewed as well, and you've got the narrative of those uh, and what you get, and you might like all those, you know, highly valued objects may have all those things. Uh, yeah. And all those aspects should be, I mean, you know, you can't say, if it's highly valued, it's high quality. And if it's high quality, it has to be looked at. And uh, and then what kind of uh, review is another question, right? And do you want a review from the community? Do you want a review like from experts? Do you, have, do you want a hybrid system? All those things. I have not, you know, <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's not my call. <laughs> thanks, thanks, God. It's not my call. <laughs> uh, but uh, but there, there are you know, those those are the details that are really important to see mm. uh, whether this this uh, this future uh, publishing platform because it's uh, not off the ground yet. So yeah, going from open, reproducible uh, neuroscience and with my like obviously more involved in the brain imaging aspect to something that uh, you know where do we put all those uh, those things. Uh, that's I think that's my sort of like a direction. Yes. <laughs> and I do I do a regular like the uh, you know statistical and data analysis aspect. So I, I you know I have some you know, little bit of secret garden sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Still have your hand in yeah. <laughs> uh, there, but uh, you know these days uh, less and less. But uh, it's interesting um, how you bring up the fact that review is something that means that something then becomes a research output becomes valuable because it's being reviewed, and I find that. It's such a, like an interesting thing that is um, almost like a dogmatic opinion sometimes in science. And there's obviously a great amount of value in peer review system. But then I've never been to a conference and read someone's poster of unpublished data and been like, oh, well, we can't trust this because no one else has looked at it yet. You know, and it's kind of this interesting aspect of open science where we're kind of like, we want things to get out there as quickly as possible, but engineering in a review process and quality control filter yeah. is like kind of can be opposite your sort of um, aims to that. I agree. You want you basically want some appropriate archive system, both yeah. at the level of data, code, all those things, and you want uh, when some uh, some of that is actually uh, you know like a very highly valued thing for the research community you want you want the community to actually say yeah that's a highly valued thing yeah and, and that's uh, unfortunately you know in a world where they are there is competition and there's uh, like limited resources and like a, and there's so much things going on the filtering aspect that, that you were describing those things are important like you know and if i i sit on sometimes on the hiring committee you know, like at the university and uh, you know it, it's at the moment it is still okay those list of papers that's that's where you know in some hiring committees, people start to get okay. Let's uh, let's go to the to GitHub, see what uh, what that person is, has been actually coding, and like uh, it's it's very it's still very very rare. Uh, yeah. So 
So, you know, you, we need the university and the research uh, reward system to uh, value those objects uh, that are fundamental uh, and are not just the narrative because we value way too much the narrative and that's mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the actual things that you can build the narrative on, <laughs> you yeah. know, which uh, to me is... Uh, so, it's, it's strange. Uh, you know, I always thought, for instance, uh, yeah, you know, people people game with the system to make sure that they have a lot of uh, papers, we know that, you know, which, you know, is fair enough, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, not fair enough, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, you know... You can understand uh, their motivations, you, yeah. You can understand this, like, uh, it's, uh, we're just humans, right? So I think my, my response to that, okay, yes, well, uh, let's uh, let's see if there's an, another game that is actually better for science, <laughs> uh, a limit. I mean, I'm not, uh, I don't think we will, we will change the... Uh, human being, but we can possibly change the environment mm. uh, to uh, promote like a little bit of a better culture. Yeah, so perhaps you can talk a bit about how COMP leads into this and solving some of these issues with data and so forth and how we value research. COMP, okay, so the Canadian Open Neuroscience Platform. Yes. <laughs> it's not only a platform actually, COMP is, uh, is doing also training and it's also doing ethics aspect and it's, all, it's doing like a, uh, so there's a lot of uh, things happening in, in, in COMP. But the platform itself, hopefully, will be responding to a couple of gaps that we've identified. So if you are a neuroscientist, uh, and actually sometimes I get uh, people coming up at my door and say, hey, JB, do you know about uh, a Parkinson imaging study with that sort of like a characteristic for those the images and uh, where patients are maybe with a control group and with the uh, patients or the control group had had this kind of assessment? And I say, well, uh, good luck with that. Uh, just go in the literature. Uh, uh, there's, you know, some parking something that I know of. Uh, yeah. Probably don't know, like, uh, they probably don't have that specific assessment. Uh, uh, just go to the literature, read the papers, see whether those those things are, and so on. So, so that's that's one possible gap. Uh, you know, that's you know, how do we search for uh, data sets uh, that are? So we're we're going to try with our means and you know, to uh, to to bridge a bit that gap and say, okay, if you have if you have a platform where you have a data set, uh, can we describe this, this, this data set in a kind of standard way? Can we record, can we get all those things into a, a metadata place where people can search for those metadata? And then whenever they need to, I mean, it could be that the data set is open, they can have access directly, or it could be the data set is behind some authorization wall and needs to be a couple of things to be done to actually access the data. That's one aspect. Uh, there's on the computational side, uh, we still, uh, it's still hard when those data sets get big, uh, that to actually launch the computation, choose the right pipeline, reproduce those pipelines, uh, and and, that, and all those things. Find you know, just finding the pipelines that correspond to a good data set, like you know, that's those things. So that's another gap that we hope uh, will be uh, we will be uh, working on. And you know, a number of those little things, uh, not that little. No, I was going to say none of these things sound very little. <laughs> uh, but that's the uh, some of those. Uh, that hopefully the, the vision of, of the of CUNP that we're blessed where you can uh, I mean and then there will be also some things on open science and collaboration aspect I think hopefully but at least you can find that asset process those assets get those results put those results back in the pool of metadata where so you can you can search for not only data set but results of that asset and these things uh, that's uh, for instance you know the uh, the HTTP data set has been processed probably like a you know thousand times and because of the license which which data set is this the, the uh, human conductor project, uh, okay. you know, like, but because of the license, because of the way, like uh, it's uh, like uh, you can't actually sh uh, share this video, or, or you know, or just because it's people don't want to, or because there's no easy place to do that, and like uh, it's it's difficult to 
find and I mean actually uh, share and, and, and find the, uh, the, the right data. And when I say share, I really would like again to say, hey, those things, if they're really valuable, they should be published. So it's, uh, it's actually wrote a couple of pages uh, somewhere where I, I argue for the fact that we, not, we should not share, uh, we should just uh, publish things. And, uh, and the distinction is that uh, at least in, in one way of one definition of sharing is that this is something you own and you, because of the goodness of your heart, you're giving away. Sometimes the, uh, there's the background, from, uh, background meaning of share, it could be in that direction. I mean, our research was on something we own. Uh, the data that we acquire, acquired with usually public funds. From patients. From yeah. patients, exactly. And uh, there's no way we own those things. We're possibly stewards. And um, if we have ethical obligations, obviously there is ethical obligation of like uh, making sure that the uh, personal information are well protected and so on. There's also ethical obligation to actually push those data out because that could help research and those patients and so on. So it's interesting that this, this side of things is very rarely you know, like, uh, promoted in some sense. I know. Uh, and because uh, and I the, reason, the reason is that you know, people are you know, conflicted. Uh, if they push their data out, their competitors will take them and they will be afraid of being scooped and all those things. So it's uh, you know, sometimes a bit the, the ethical aspect mm. is, is getting <clears> in the... Uh, in a, in a murky uh, area where, you know, you don't actually want to do it. And, oh, that, that's a great excuse. <laughs> but I think, yeah. like, harking back to this moral obligation that scientists have in terms of data sharing, you know, I don't think any person who starts out in their academic career at the age of 18 or 19 when they first go to university sits there and thinks, like, I'm going to keep all of this data to myself and never do anything and, like, oh, discourage no. other people from doing it, you know. And I think open science is a good opportunity for people to harken back to yeah. what they want to do when they first decided they wanted to become scientists somewhere along the way and the other thing I find is that so much of our research as you say it's not only like taxpayer money but a lot of this is you know especially with some of the more rare disease projects or you know charity based projects where we're getting funding from people who are running marathons or doing bake sales or whatever it is they're doing to raise money to let us do the research that we're doing I think any scientist would have a hard time sitting down with some of those people who are the fundraisers and saying oh I'm not going to share this data because it's mine for this reason I think they would be very very upset with us and we do have a duty to yeah, do the yeah, best that we can yeah, I know patient patient associations are really the ones who are pushing uh, pushing hard but also the funders now they, they realize yeah. that uh, you know they're, they're, they're not getting you know the value for their works <laughs> and uh, so they're, they're, they're like a welcome trust in particular and they're like yeah they're, with they're, everything they're, with plan s yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly they're, they're starting uh, so yeah, no, I think things are moving. But you know, I'm I'm culprit as everyone else. Like you know, I'm conflicted sometimes. On okay, uh, you know, should I push that out and uh, risk uh, that you know this PhD student uh, is uh, is going to be uh, not uh, as rewarded as it could have or she could have been? And uh, you know, that's uh, you know the conflict is there always. It's not an easy choice. You know, okay, I'm choosing to do this and that's it. It's it's always going to be uh, you know difficult decisions. And, Absolutely, and I think that you know there's that other side of things where sometimes folks who are in the sort of more extreme ends of the open research community can sort of be quite evangelical in the way that they describe how everyone should be doing their research and there are many many reasons why that is not possible. And I think that's why the uh, the, the publishing aspect is important because it just hacks the uh, the way the uh, people are rewarded uh, but it hacks it in a good way it's like it makes them in like a you know a, uh, accessible and uh, 
uh, if you publish, you have to put your stuff out, and uh, and then you'll be rewarded because you you'll be cited for your data set, for your your script, or, or like a library or things like that. Absolutely, they've been they've been like a tremendous success. Like uh, some open source library have been like uh, so fantastic. And uh, like uh, if Scikit-learn was cited, uh, probably Scikit-learn has been like uh, cited by like a thousand or maybe ten thousand. <laughs> and I, I should I should check, but I have no idea. But uh, the uh, it's it's just like those tools are are just like uh, so used. If uh, you know, I work on some tools. I mean, like they are they are really valuable things, and they're not recognized. If you say, "Hey, I'm going to pay a researcher or someone who's a PhD to actually work on the tool," then it, they're not enough recognized as you know the the important objects. It's like you know, like you know, what you do science without Microsoft, without without a microscope, and and without like uh, some uh, sequencing uh, platforms. And if you work on those tools, and if they actually change the outcome of the uh, of this is super important yeah absolutely i think a lot of it as well is just maximizing the impacts that you're going to have on your research right so it's not just about just getting some some piece of data published into some very sort of fancy and fashionable kind of journal in a nice well-written story it's about having an impact of anything that you do with your data one of the reasons why i went into the neuroinformatics aspect is because I got frustrated by the, uh, the statistical aspect. Like in a sense, I, I saw a lot of uh, uh, nice, very nice uh, methods, and uh, they're never applied by the actual people doing the, <laughs> the actual science. Like they are, they are they're kept in some uh, like a specialized journal, and uh, and uh, they they they're rarely uh, sort of implemented in a way that can, they can be reused. Uh, so again, plenty of good research that's kind of like a lost, uh, you know, because yeah. in terms of application and the data, and we we don't get we don't have the ends, we don't have the uh, the numbers to actually find stuff that is solid and uh, and and comprehensive. And uh, I just got frustrated. So okay, I mean the actual problem is not. I mean. A bigger problem is not the, the, the statistics. The bigger problem is to actually have access to the data and do some proper uh, implementation and, uh, and proper tooling of methods. So that's it's one of the reasons why I thought, okay, this, this is where we should be working on. So do you have any specific aspirations for leading your committee in uh, COMP? I just hope that, uh, you know, like, uh, this will be not only a Canadian thing, but I'm just hoping that once uh, this is something is done, it's going to be good enough that people beyond Canada will be saying, okay, that's, that sounds like something we should, we should actually describe our data set this way and, and, and put that in, the, in this pool. Or, like, uh, this is something that goes, like, a way beyond just our little group. Uh, I think that's, that's my aspiration, because it grows. <laughs> <laughs> just the aspiration that is going to be very useful. I think that's a good enough goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting um, how, you know, we're kind of considering this as a very Canadian platform at the moment, but actually looking through the partners and the other folks who are working with COMP, it's actually quite an international effort. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how other folks might want to get involved. And yeah. so well, involved. and problem of that is the uh, our incentive system, our funding system are like our very badly designed for working together. It's, it's really badly designed for that. It's uh, even even in COMP we, we see like the, those divides because you know this is institution X and this institution Y and like uh, and they are uh, so uh, yeah we we don't have a good system for uh, establishing standards across you know platforms across yeah. uh, standards of disc- data description all those things. It, those things are really hard to do. Because uh, I mean, grateful for the INCF, and they they now are taking some of those uh, tasks uh, on board. 
so the uh, International Informatics uh, Coordinating Facility in uh, Stockholm, they you know they're becoming like a standardization body for neuroscience, uh, which is great, like the W3C of neuroscience, <laughs> and that that will help because it's an independent international organization that can say okay this is a good standard, this is the reason why it is a good standard and so on. So uh, the reason so. that standardization is important is so that. You know, if, if two independent groups are collecting very similar data, but they do it by different protocols, then they're no longer well, comparable. There's standardization at the level of the acquisition, and there's the standardization at the level of uh, communication of the data. So let's say you describe your data set in a certain yeah. way. Uh, if I want to know that uh, age is the same age as this age in another data set, and like, uh, how do I like uh, do I have a word and like a definition of that word that uh, says okay that's the same thing or that's something different? So it's basically finding the language where you communicate with each other at the level of uh, science and, and data, but also at the level of machines. Like if your machine mm -hmm. has to discover. Uh, data set that has like uh, Alzheimer, like you have to have something that says, okay, this is Alzheimer, and you know this is where you, you could. Uh... So to me, there's there's in that standardization, there's the aspect of a uh, it's the kind of meta aspect is okay, how do we construct a language where we communicate science, and that language has to be common because otherwise, you know, it's the Babel Tower, and it is the Babel Tower at the moment, and uh, and so it's also very hard because you do want to have uh, things that are evolving quickly and uh, new words are coming occurring in the language and you know, they're being adopted and all those things so that happens as well uh, so we have to have something evolutive and, uh, and flexible uh, but finding those standards where we say okay and that's not only on the side of the of the data descriptors it's also on the side of a description of the computation what kind of data can go in what can that goes out so like oh, go out and, and so on and and that would be so so much more efficient in terms of us like if you have to like, uh, so BITS is doing that in a great way, like uh, the, uh, the, uh, the brain imaging data structure uh, led by Chris Kovigorski, Russell Black and Stanford. They, they have like a set of a community where people agree on a specific uh, descriptor and a way of describing the data and uh, laying out the data. And then, you know, apps can say, okay, no, I know exactly what's there. Uh, I can just process those things automatically now. And, uh, and that's so, so much more efficient. Uh, you just uh, not reinventing the wheel every time, and then you see when the, you know, usually the, what happens is that the postdoc is doing it, and then he leaves, and then or she leaves, and then and then the knowledge is is gone, <laughs> and then you have to start from scratch. Or, yeah, uh, gosh, and that's just uh, a yeah. massive waste of time and yeah, yeah. resources. Yeah. So uh, so finding a way of uh, having a standard standards description of those and standard mm. uh, of both data and computations uh, is it's an efficient efficiency problem and I think it leads to discovery. Yeah so I mean a lot of what we've discussed here sounds like it would actually be applicable in multi like many different academic disciplines but yeah. I was wondering whether you have any opinions on why for neuroscience it's like especially like necessary now and urgent. Have you been to uh, SFN? No I have not. No? no. 30,000 people? Wow, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like it's just impossible to find things. <laughs> no, it's possible, but it's just like it's just completely overwhelming. Yeah. If, if in neuroscience, if you want to integrate uh, various results, if you want to be able, like, uh, it's getting to you know, like a, a level where it's really, really hard to do that by hand with one brain. Mm. Like you have to involve the computer. So that's uh, that's one reason. The, the second reason is I think neuroscience has been criticized. I think quite rightly. For not producing things that go to the at the patient level, and not producing uh, 
uh, research that can be reused uh, for oh, okay. uh, so trans translation of basic research exactly. into drug discovery. That's, yeah, that's that's one aspect where neuroscience has been criticized in many fronts, uh, and I think uh, I think mostly rightly so. So that's another reason why mm. we want to be more efficient. We want to uh, allow for this, this translation to happen more quickly if it can happen. So integration, talking to each other, and, and efficiency mm. for translation are the two okay. main reasons. Uh, I, you know, there are other fields in science that don't have that sort of same problems. Like uh, <laughs> astronomy is, uh, <laughs> yeah, is different. Yeah, um, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure they, they benefit from some vision of, of things, right? Uh, mm. From description of uh, some object and so on. But uh, uh, maybe they have, they, first of all, the data side they have like much less scattered and, uh, and distributed acquisition aspects. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you ever so much. You're welcome. This was really great. Thank, thank you. you.